0: Hey, Nothing Is Wasted family, before we dive into this podcast episode, I just want to make an announcement that I'm super excited about. We are finally going to Israel, and I want to invite you to come with us. Christy and I would love to and extend an invitation for you to come with us to Israel. We were supposed to go back in October of 2020, and we all know what happened there, and we have delayed this trip for some time because of all the travel restrictions. But The good news is, is as of March of this past year, all the travel restrictions were lifted for Israel. All of the requirements, vaccination requirements, all of that sort of thing were completely lifted. So we're going to go to Israel in May of 2023. The trip is May 29th through June 6th of 2023. If you want to find out more information about that. You go to com slash Israel. But let me just say this. There are frequently people will ask me questions about when was the turning point in my healing journey. And six months after my late wife was killed, I was invited on a trip to Israel with a church that really surrounded me during that season. And that is, I can look back on, that is the major critical turning point of my healing journey for the first time. Uh, color was beginning to come back into my life. And I can't necessarily explain all the reasons why, but I think it had something to do with walking in the places that Jesus walked, learning about nuances of scripture that I had not seen before, and particularly seeing the theme of pain and suffering all throughout the biblical narrative and the historical narrative. And that was the first time I saw that. And so it really changed my perspective on this world, God on my particular tragedy that I was walking through and so I vowed when I left that trip that I was going to take people back to experience the same thing that I experienced to have some of those huge aha healing moments so this trip is going to be exciting it's going to be fun it's going to be enlightening it's going to be healing it's going to be inspiring it's going to be challenging it's just going to be an amazing time. So Christy and I would love to invite you to come to Israel with us in 2023. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash Israel. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash Israel to find out all the information about this trip. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey.
1: And I'm Aubrey. We are so glad that you're with us today. Davey, one of the things that you and I talk about here at Nothing Is Wasted a lot is that we, you know, we of course love having our guests who like, you know, like yeah, you, they've yeah. got their book out, their ministry's right, big, their yeah. platform's big, but I don't know that there's anything we actually are more passionate about than sort of the unsung heroes, which yep. sounds condescending. I don't mean it like that. But what I mean is people who are just like yeah. suffering, faithfully living for right. Jesus, Every day living out their faith and they're not platformed. You know what I mean? And that's actually why I love Nothing Is Wasted because we offer a place for those people to share their stories because really, like, this is where God's at work and this is where we're encouraged, our faith's encouraged, we know you're encouraged as well. And today's guest, Kelly Sites. Okay, I have to say, David, when you told me about her situation, I was like, no, wait, what she had... That's impossible. How, yeah. Postpartum. Preeclampsia. Yeah. Which I know women who have had preeclampsia just right. before their baby's born and then they have right. to have an emergency C section. Fa- I've never common, heard yeah. of fairly common. Never heard of
0: postpartum
1: yeah. pre eclampsia. I, I have to admit
0: I hadn't either until You we said had this you conversation. had to ask Christy, right? And then I, asked like, Christy afterwards, I said, Hey, I just had a conversation with a woman. Yeah. This was what she had. Is this like, is this real? And she was like Yeah, yeah it's very rare. But she mm-hmm. Christy had heard of it before.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah. her life has been. She's a young mom, mom of seven-year-old, a yeah. six-year-old boy. Yeah. Her life has been just drastically changed by this. She'll talk about her story, right. but she is oxygen dependent during physical exertion and while sleeping. Uh, her heart sitting on her lung, partially yeah. a collapsed lung. Lots of lots of ongoing pain yeah. in her story. And yeah. I, I am actually, I mean, excited is maybe not the right word, but I am excited for our listeners to hear from from Kelly's site. So why don't we go ahead and take a listen to your conversation with Kelly.
0: Hey, Kelly, so great to have you joining us on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being here.
2: Good morning. It's good to be here.
0: You know, we were talking a little bit off air about how, uh, you got connected to the nothing is wasted, uh, community. And, and, and of course I should have known that you got connected through Amy Sylvester who serves on our team. She's a certified coach. She's on our staff. She's, I mean, she's our community director. It's great, but she always connects us with, with really incredible people. So I should have known that, you know, I'm like, man, that, you know, Kelly's got an incredible story incredible a way that God has shown up in her stove could be the one to connect us. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's so cool. So cool. Listen, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and kind of your present day context, your family, and, um, you know, give us a little bit of just kind of help us to get to know you a little bit. And then we're going to dive back into your story. Well,
2: um, right now I know everybody, a lot of times starts off with their job and I am a stay at home mom. Um, I do a little bit of photography, but, um, I would definitely say my main job right now is my kids, and yeah. I'm, I'm a homeschool mom. I have a seven year old little boy and a six year old little girl, um, so that takes up all of my time and energy currently. Yeah. Um, so I live in the Mooresville area, North Carolina. I um, mean, that's part of the part of the things that connect me to Amy. Um, we knew mm-hmm. each other growing up, or we knew each other through college, and she had grown up in the same area that I live in now. So, yeah,
0: yeah. that's so cool. You guys were a part of a campus ministry called Campus Outreach, right? That's what that's yes. where you guys knew each other. And so, um, you know, those of you guys who are familiar with Christy, my wife, her story, she was a very much a part of campus outreach. That was a, she received Christ at 19 in a campus outreach event. And that became a critical part of her spiritual journey. I know that that's a, an incredible ministry that probably plays quite a bit into your spiritual journey as well as, as I know I've heard from Amy, part of her journey as well. So it's so cool to see all of those kind of webs like coming together you know how God does that it's just a cool thing to to see the different connections and how God uses that to leverage the the building of the kingdom um definitely so again grateful to have you on the on on the podcast and and to share your story with us why don't you take a moment and, and kind of jump back to whatever you would say like the beginning of this is when the beginning of my like um my trial really began this valley that I've been walking through and just kind of talk to us about that, share the story with us, and then we'll dive in and just find some different places that we can, you know, see where God has interjected in that.
2: Okay. Um, I wouldn't say everything was going great until, um, maybe about 2015, um, I was doing well. I, my husband and I got married in 2010. We were very active. You know, we had done things like we did a five mile military mud run together. Um, I enjoyed traveling, all the things. Um and, and and I had my son, everything went great. And then um we decided to either be the smartest or the dumbest people in the world and have our kids very close together. Yeah. And during her during my pregnancy with with my daughter, just something changed and um I did not feel well. I just chalked it up to just pregnancy mm. issues and um things progressively declined for me. Um until I gave birth and delivery and everything went well. And immediately afterwards I realized whatever was wrong was still there. Um, I had to be re-hospitalized immediately after having her, after going home, we had to go back and my blood pressure was through the roof and, um, swelling was out of control. And they admitted me immediately because my blood pressure was so high. I was at risk of either a stroke or a brain bleed. And so, um, at that point, there was mention of congestive heart failure, but it, it felt like it was just kind of tossed around lightly. It, it wasn't a diagnosis. Um, and x-rays were showing some strange things. There was mention of my heart appearing to be flat, um, a lot of fluid in my lungs, but they they got rid of all the fluid and they sent me home and acted as though I was going to be fine and that it was just maybe a postpartum preeclampsia, which I'd never even heard of. Huh. Um, So during, during that time I had read, of course, what you're not supposed to do, I'd gone online, but I'd actually found that that wasn't, it it might not be often that it happens, but that some women will have um, congestive heart failure, you know, during pregnancy or after, after, after after delivery. And so I thought, well, I'll get better. You know, they sent me home and they thought I would. And so, um, for the most part, we went back to what we would consider normal. Um, I had two small children at home and, Maybe just thought that the lack of energy and the way I felt had something to do with that. Um, having two children, two small kids that are less than 14 months apart, um, it, it wasn't easy, you know, but I thought, well, other people do it, so I should be able to do it. Um, but I would realize that as I would try to carry both of them at the same time, I would feel like I was going to pass out. Um, oftentimes, I would get them into our vehicle and then just have to sit for a while because I was concerned that something bad was going to happen.
0: Right.
2: Um, and so fast forward, it continued um, like that until a couple of years ago. And um, the decline was very slow. And so maybe it wasn't as noticeable to other people, but for me, it was, I thought instead of getting better, I'm getting worse. Yeah. Um, and I just remember getting to a point where nobody else knew this, but I was stacking pillows at night because When I would lay down flat, I could hear rattling and, um, I had gotten to the point where I was afraid I wasn't going to wake up the next morning. And so, um, I told my husband one day, I was like, I'm not well, it's something's really wrong today. And I need you to take me to the local pharmacy. I just need to check my blood pressure and just see what's going on. Um, So he did, he took me and of course the machine was broken and I'm not, I don't want to bother people or ask for help. And so I just wanted to go in and stick my arm in the machine and be gone, you know, and know what's going on. And I knew better than to leave. And so I went to the pharmacist, um, and said, can somebody help me? I just need somebody to check my blood pressure. And she checked it and said, you need to go straight to your doctor now. Um, you're not okay. And, um, at that time, my, I did not have a primary care physician. Mine had left. And so I just called the local doctor and told them I need to be seen immediately if there was anything they had. And um, I feel like this was the first um, major evidence of God's hand that I that I noticed
0: mm.
2: greatly during the situation was that he placed me with the right person at the right time. That was just wow. um, interested in helping me and saw what was happening Um but when I saw this lady, she said, "You need to go straight to the hospital. If you have a ride here, you need to go to the car now. I'm going to call, and you need to head there now." And so I didn't want to scare my whole family. We had my two kids in the car, um, so my husband called my mom, and she came and met us. And he took me to the hospital, and um, she was aware at that time that I was definitely in congestive heart failure and that I was in urgent need of assistance. Yeah. So, um, if you want me to keep going, yeah, I, just...
0: I would love. Yeah. So, what kind of what happened next? You're you're going to the hospital. You have obviously your congestive heart failure. She's understanding this. Yes. So what what happened so the, when she got to the hospital?
2: The fluid was out of control, which is probably, you know, was a big problem that was uh, contributing to my lack of energy and ability to do things. Yeah. Um, I think they got like 17 pounds of fluid off of me immediately. Oh my gosh. Um, my, my blood pressure of course was out of control. My oxygen was very low at the time. Um, and I say very low. It was in the 70s. Yeah. I was still walking around and doing things, but it was in the 70s. And um, they admitted to me, they kept me for several days, diarrhea me, started checking things again, confirmed it was congestive heart failure. Um, but it was just, I wasn't really happy with the care, just because I felt like they were doing the same thing that had been done before. They yeah, were like, right. oh, take some Lasix and you'll be fine. It's near the holidays. Maybe you've had too much salt intake. And I'm like, this has been going on for years. This <laughs> has nothing to do with salt intake. Yeah. Um, something's really wrong and they're just going to send me home again. So that's what happened. Um, so when I went back to that that doctor that I told you about, that I feel like the Lord placed, you know, in my path, um, she said, something's not right. And she referred me to a specialist, to a pulmonologist, and when I went, you know, because I guess the hospital was just focused on my heart, um, when she sent me to this pulmonologist, she decided to, to, to do all the tests, um, and when she, when they ran the test, they were like, are you having a bad day? And I was like, no, it's actually a good day. I'm feeling good today, and they were like, mm-mm, and I was like, they did a pulmonary function test, and it showed that one of the numbers was like, my lung was only 27%, Um Gosh. And so when she called me back in, she said, I, I need to show you some stuff. And when she had run the CT scan, it was able to look directly down to see what was going on. And she found that my heart had shifted completely into my left chest cavity.
0: Oh my gosh. And it was
2: extremely compressed um, and it was compressing my lung. So that was why I couldn't breathe, you wow. know, for a while. She said, I really think you're a good candidate for Duke medical center. I, I want, I'd like to go make a call if you give me permission. And, so I waited and she did, and they accepted me immediately. And so that kind of started the big part of the journey. Um, oh. So I went for a consult at Duke. They said, we definitely, you know, you you have to have a surgery if you want to stay around, yeah. you know, long term. And um, the plan was for him to, to go in and crack my sternum, you know, to cut me up, crack my sternum, to cut out parts of my ribs um, in an effort to give my heart more face, hopefully to help my heart to maybe migrate back where it was supposed to be and, and move off of my lung. Um, wow. and so I knew it was going to be rough. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is the part to tell you that I, I was born with a, um, a birth defect called pectus Okay. and it's where your chest is concave. So we knew this was an issue. Um, when I was only three, I had to have a major surgery where they went in and did the same thing. They crocked, our sternum, and they put a bar in our chest to try to create oh, wow. more space um, because it was pushing against our heart. My brother and I both had the same surgery oh, wow. when I was okay. only four; he was three. He was like seven. Wow! Um, and we thought it fixed it, and yeah. so we didn't—we did not know for all these years that any of this was happening. Um, I, I played sports year round. You know, MVP. Yeah. Like we were very active. There were no signs. Um, he and I both thought we were lazy. We thought we were out of shape because we couldn't run as much as the other kids, but we, we excelled. So we didn't think that there was a a real issue. We just thought we were slow or, you know what I mean? Like we didn't know what the deal was. It's funny talking back about it now, but we didn't, we did not know all of this then, but apparently the surgery did not work like, like we thought. And instead of our, instead of my lungs growing back, they did this and that's what shifted our heart. And, you know,
0: um,
2: so, um, we scheduled the surgery and, um, we scheduled it for the following year because yeah. we wanted to prep for it. I had to meet with the surgery. It was a lot of pre-op stuff and all of right. that. Right. So, um, the hot, the, 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 surgery was supposed to be at Ed Duke hospital, which is a couple hours from my house. So it was a big deal. You know, yeah. I was gonna be leaving my kids and, um, then COVID happened. So I knew there was going to, they weren't going to be able to visit me, um, my understanding was that my husband was going to be able to stay with me because it was a critical, it was a, a, a significant surgery um, that I would require extra assistance. Yeah. Um, so we went um, for pre-op and they let me know that my husband would be dropping me off at the front door and he would not be um, joining me. So that was the first wow. blow that I was like, man, at least he was going to be with me. You know, yeah, I, was, I, I was, ready so. to do it. But, um, and I was only supposed to be gone three to five days. So my kids were okay. They were going to be with their grandma. You know, um, I went in and had the surgery and it was rough. And um, I think everything would have gone as planned as far as me coming back, except for on the second day, I had some extreme pain in a certain area. And they were like, you know, it's okay. You had surgery. And I'm like, I'm aware of that, but this is a different kind of pain. Uh Like something's wrong. And they kind of blew me off again. And I told my husband, I was like, I feel like somebody's stabbing me. Wow. Um, and he came in, moved my shirt, and looked. And he was like, I need somebody in here now. Oh, wow. um, nurses came in. They were like, "State, don't move. They went and called the doctors. The bar was trying to come out through, it oh had my come gosh. loose. And so they were like, You have to go back under surgery. So they had to go back in and to me yeah, again, man. put oh me my under. Gosh. And so they um, sewed it back in, hoping that that would be it. And two days later, same thing happened. So, Jeez. Um, so I had to go back in surgery this time. They just ended up removing the bar through my arm mm. instead of going back in and opening me up and doing all that. So I ended up having three surgeries in less than seven days. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, like I said, my kids are still at home. Yeah, and, right. Um, I want to rewind just a little bit for yeah. some reason. As it got closer, I had a, I feel like the Lord was working on me in a lot of different things, but I was, very fearful that I was not going to, um, come home. I don't know why that feeling was so strong. I think just realizing all the things that they were going to do, the possibility of my heart stopping when they were in there doing all the things, the severity of the situation with the way the surgeon, you know, had discussed, um, how concerned he was. Um, I had, I had written letters to my kids and to my husband just in case, you know, so it was like, I was at that place when I went in and, when I came out of the first surgery, I was so relieved when it happened again, I had to go back under. I started to worry again. And then the third time I was like, I'm not going home. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but you know, three to five days turned into a week, turned into two weeks, turned into three weeks. And, um, they ended up letting my husband stay after the first few nights because of how bad things were. And, um, that was a, that was a blessing to me because I was so fearful of everything that was going on. But But my kids, that was the, that was the hard part, being away from them for that long. And, oh, man. you know, my little girl, she was fine. She was probably happy as can be because I'm sure my mom was letting her eat cupcakes and donuts at midnight. But, um, but my little boy, he's, he's a little, it, yeah. it broke his heart and they would say, your mom's coming home this week. And then I didn't, and mm-hmm. your mom's coming home this week and you didn't. And they said that the last time they told him, he's like, just don't tell me anymore. Just don't wow. tell me she's coming home. Don't wow. tell me until she's here, you know, and. Um, Uh. so anyway, I got to come home, which was a blessing. And, um, you know, in my mind, everything was going to be great. I was going to go back to the old me. I was going to be active again. Um, and it, it didn't, um, the surgery didn't work and it, it did, um, alleviate some of the pressure on my heart. Um, but as far as I have chronic congestive heart failure now, and, um, part of my lung is now collapsed and, um, there's no, there's no real fix for it, and so, Goodness. um, now they think that I have maybe a severe, a severely restrictive lung disease. Um, I don't know, they don't they don't know. They can't tell me why my lungs are not functioning any better than they are. But we've had repeat pulmonary function tests at this point, and the numbers aren't getting any better. And um, so that's wow. that's where we are with it right
0: now. Man, uh, Kelly. Whew. Um I I I did not understand. I didn't know the severity of all of this. I didn't, you know, I, I share with you off air and I share with our listeners quite a bit that a lot of times I, I intentionally go into these conversations not knowing a whole lot about people's stories. Because like I said to you, I want it to I want it to be like you and I are having coffee for the first time. I'm hearing your story for the first time and just let it the impact of it hit me in a very real way. And, um, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm in a little bit of, um, shock. Just the one, I mean, what you've gone through, what you're still currently dealing with. Um, so first of all, I just want to communicate to you. I'm so sorry. And <laughs> Thank you, I, um, I just can't imagine all of that. I can't imagine the, the emotions, the fear, the the, I mean, frustration is such a mild term for what I'm sure you're experiencing, but just like the, just the overwhelming sense of, of, of grief and loss from everything that could be or should have been, or how, you know, just all the things you're experiencing. I, I'd love, I'd love to hear from you on some of those things. Um, but you know, you, you mentioned this just fear that as you were there in between surgeries, as you're in the hospital, you're waiting for surgery. You're just thinking you're not going to come home and that, you know, your heart was going to stop. And it, what I know, of course, you've got this, this con, this back, uh, context of your story in terms of your relationship with the Lord. And, you know, you in college, you were part of CO, and so you're learning, you know, obviously, like you had a, a rich relationship with the Lord. But in those moments, what, what was your conversations with God? What, what were those like? you know, as you're experiencing this fear, facing this fear, I mean, obviously there's had to have been a lot of, and you're alone because you're initially, your husband is not there. So you're not having conversations with him. It's you and the Lord. What was that like?
2: I would, to be honest, I I gave my life to Christ when I was young, I was only five. And of course there was growth obviously since then. And I was close to the Lord and I love the Lord and I wanted to be, um, I wanted the story, even at that point, to bring honor and glory to the Lord. Yeah. But my prayer life, if I'm honest, it suffered at different points during it because I knew what I should be praying, but I didn't want to pray those things. Oh wow, Yeah. Um. Starting with my kids, mm. even going into it, I, I was like, "I'm not scared to die. I'm going to heaven." I mean, what? What complaint do I have there? I'm not worried about my husband. He's cute as a button. He's young enough. He'll get remarried. I'm not worried about him. Um, I'm worried about my kids, you know, and I think like nobody will ever love my kids the way I love my kids. You know, nobody will ever take care of them the way that I do. And um, the thought of them um, being sad or missing their mom, like that wrecked me. Um, And during that time, I had to think, what am I so wor- like if I love them as much as I love them, how much does God love them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't I hope this comes across the way I mean it. You know, during that time I was thinking about Abraham and Isaac, and I thought, oh. you know, he was willing to sacrifice his son, and God was not asking me to do that. But in a weird way, I thought Abraham had it easy because if he did what he was supposed to do, Isaac was gonna be with Jesus. Yeah. Um my kids were going to be here in this rotten world without oh. me. And I thought that's different. Like that's leaving them to something else. It's not giving them to God. And I feel like the Lord really showed me though, that I had made my kids an idol in a lot of ways. Wow. I had taken a gift that he had given me of something beautiful. My kids are beautiful. They're, they're amazing. And I do believe that it's my, greatest joy at this time aside from serving the Lord to be their mom and to to have that responsibility of caring for them but I had put them in front of the Lord in a lot of ways and I was not trusting that they were His and not mine and that He truly is the one that takes care of them no matter what I think I'm doing I'm not the one protecting my kids I'm not the one you know. He is doing those things and so that was one of the first things that knocked me off my feet um, when I finally did um, begin to pray and and have those conversations with God that were hard, that mm. that I needed to have, you know.
0: Yeah. Hey, nothing is wasted. Family, I wanted to interrupt this conversation for a brief moment to let you know about a powerful resource that we have available for you. It's called the Pain to Purpose Course. Now, I know many of you guys have heard of this, but in case you're new and you haven't heard of this, I wanted to make sure that you were in the know about this. Now, listen, if you were to ask me this one question, Davey, what's the most important, nothing is wasted resource that I should engage with? I would tell you, hands down, the Pain to Purpose Course is it. Thousands of people now have found tremendous healing and breakthrough in their valley by walking through this course. Now, it's emotionally and spiritually intense, but I promise you it's well worth it. The Pain to Purpose course is an 11 video online course where I'll help you do four major things. Okay, the first one is this I'll help you remove the debris of crisis in your life. So, like trauma, tragedy, major life transition. The second thing is, I'll guide you through the steps of repairing the emotional, relational, and spiritual broken pieces. That were left in the wake of your trauma. Third, I'm going to lay out for you how to reestablish a firm foundation for a healthy and whole life. And finally, I'll help you discover and step into the missional and redemptive purposes God has for you out of your trauma. Over the past several years of hosting this podcast, I've noticed some things. No one's pain journey is the same. However... There are some common denominators that every pain-to-purpose story shares, and there are some common things that everyone who goes from tragedy to triumph have to do. So my team and I took those common denominators and we distilled them into an 11-video curriculum to give you the handles, or as we call them, waypoints that you'll need in order to walk through your unique pain journey. This course is essentially an entire year's worth of counseling condensed into 11 videos, and... A fraction of the cost of counseling. I believe counseling is is very important to your healing journey. If the pain to purpose course had existed back when I lost my wife in 2015, I still would have sought counseling. But I wouldn't have had to have spent so much time or money with that counselor because I would have been light years ahead of things just from taking the pain to purpose course. So I'd love to invite you to begin accessing the course today. You can go to course.nothingiswasted.com to do that. Again, that's course.nothingiswasted.com. And as a little bonus, I convinced my team to let me give you a discount. So right now for a limited time, you can get $25 off the purchase of the course by using the promo code podcast at checkout. So again, that, that promo code is podcast. Maybe the course isn't something that you need right now, but you do have an option to purchase it as a gift for someone in your life who does need it right now. So just make sure you select the gift certificate option while you're purchasing that. So again, that's course.nothingiswasted.com and use the code podcast to get $25 off. Now back to this conversation. I appreciate the just... Just the raw candor and honesty of you know I couldn't pray because because I knew what I was supposed to but I didn't want to and um, I'm curious I'm curious Kelly if like now as you look back on it do you think that do you th- do you think God minds you know what I mean like I've asked that question like do you a think lot. he minds the fact that you like couldn't because you you know what I'm, like or if it's like it it sometimes i uh, sometimes i just wonder and i'm just like externalizing this right now because i feel the same way in a lot of like there are a lot of things that impede my intimacy with god in terms of my prayer life because i'm like that same exact thought i know what i should but i don't want to pray this and I, i'm uh, afraid that if i do pray in this way that like somehow it's going to it's going to um trigger this string of events that you know it's like <laughs> all of these human Fears that we have, and I can totally relate to that in a totally different way, Kelly. But then I look, when I like untangle that, I go, But I wonder if, like, I mean, God already knows that I'm afraid of that. And I wonder if I just tell him, What would that do for my own soul?
2: You know, with things like that, I think there's ditches on both sides of the road, right? Like, I think I've heard oh, it's fine being angry at God. He doesn't mind, you know, being angry at God. I'm like, oh, something about that doesn't feel right. And then there's, um, you can never be angry about anything, you know, that's sinful. And I, I'm like, nah, I don't know if that, you know, we've we flesh, you know, and our flesh is sinful. And it makes me think of even like well, the story of Cain, how he's like, why is your countenance down? I'm Like, fix it, fix your face. You know, basically <laughs> is what he's saying. Like, I see you, something's wrong, fix it and get it right. And I feel like, I feel like that's what he calls us to do. I feel like it's natural for our flesh to do these things, like to, want to go against what the Lord wants us to do. And I think, you know, some of us would think we get in this mindset, if we better do what the Lord says, or else he'll smite us, or, you know, whatever you want to say, but I don't think that's what it is either. I think he gives us these things for his honor and his glory and for our happiness and for our growth and for our joy. And it's like, how long did I struggle with that when I could have just given it to him right at the beginning and not, and not wrestled with it for as long as I did? Like, yeah it could have been an easier transition had I just done what I knew to do. And Mm. it was just to go to him instead of to to try to carry it on, you know? And I feel like, um, so yeah, I mean, does, does, does it surprise him? I don't think so. Does he want better for us? I think he does. Mm. And I think we miss that part of it sometimes is that it's for our good that we do it the way that he wants us to do it. You know Mm. what I mean? Wow. As well as for his, you know,
0: yeah. What a, but what a, what an amazing insight with a Abraham Isaac, you know, just that journey of your rest, just your processing right there. I mean, like it was bringing tears to my eyes cause I'm thinking about, you know, my late wife and not too, not, not too many months before, you know, her passing, she was wrestling personally with the whole Hannah and Samuel story and so much so that she, you know, uh, 15 months before her passing as we're like, uh, I guess a little bit more than that, as we're getting the nursery ready for Weston, she made this sign that said for the rest of his life, he'll be given over all the days of his life. He'll be given over to the Lord. And that came out of her own personal wrestling through this of just like, Lord, I'm I like, I, I want so badly to close my hands around the protection and safety and care of my child that we're about to bring into this world. I'm sure on some level that's nearly every mom's wrestling and you're, ex- you've experienced it and are experiencing Definitely. it to a greater degree than many, than most will. But, you know, I remember that being so powerful after she passed of just like, my gosh, like she, she, she walked through this like wrestling with the Lord and you know, it's just uh, like, I think no matter how any of our stories turn out, right? One, we don't we don't have control over how any of our stories are gonna turn out. Um but I think no matter what, we all have to come to terms with and and come to this place of wrestling where we go, Lord, I trust you in our story. And I and what that means is I trust you in in the stories of the people around me as well. My kids, my spouse, you know, my friends, my parents, my like my grandkids, everything. It's like, I trust you. And like, as you said, Kelly, like if, if you love your kids that much, how much more does the Lord love your kids? Right. Right. You know, but that's in our human finite minds that we don't, we, we don't often think that, right. (laughs) But what an incredible, even in that moment, incredible journey, the Lord was taking you on, um, spiritually. Mm, Wow. You know, um, <clears throat> you you came back and and you were expecting to kind of step back into life as normal and you know heal from this recover from this uh hopefully fully and be active again and then and then you're met with this um reality that that's not going to be the case you know and, and and on some level you have obviously now this like chronic uh illness or chronic um you know, chronic disease that you're battling every single day. Um, you know, now I wonder what your conversations with the Lord are like, you know, as we kind of got a little bit of context of how you've had to wrestle with some things. Can you, do you, to the degree you feel comfortable, do you mind sharing some of that with us? Because I know there are people listening to this and they're battling with that too. You know,
2: Um, well, I left out uh, one thing that I do want to share that I think will feed into these conversations. Um, the reason I was there the third week was we couldn't get my oxygen up. Every time they put me in the hallway to do a walk, my oxygen would drop. And um, I think that was happening some before I went because of the fluid overload, because of the heart being compressed, yeah. but it was significant at this point. It was like every time I'd walk, it was dropping into the 70s, sometimes the 60s. This is after the surgery, after they've given my heart room and they're they're thinking, well, maybe it's just, you had three surgeries and seven, you were so, you know, fluids, I had, um, with already the compressed lungs, then they had double drains in both sides of my because he had to go into both parts of my chest for the surgery. So the the drains are constricting my breathe. It was just I was very I couldn't even speak a full sentence. I'd have to speak a couple words, take a breath because I couldn't get even a couple words out because wow. my I was so you know restricted. Um, so they thought maybe that had something to do with it, the trauma of the surgery and the healing, and they thought well it'll get better. They're like you, you you need to go home on oxygen, and I was like absolutely not like. Yeah. I'm 39 years old and I came in here without oxygen. I came to get fixed. I'm not going home with oxygen. And so they're like, okay, we'll, we'll keep trying this, that, and the other. And they're like, we think you're going to be fine. Once the swelling goes down, you won't need it anyway. If you don't want to take it home, fine. So they released me and I come home and um, I'm happy to be home. I'm up and I'm moving around. I'm not moving fast, but I'm moving and I'm with my kids, you know, so I'm, I'm happy to be back the next week or two things just weren't good. I was sitting more, right. I was laying more, I was concerned, and then yeah. um, I looked down one evening and I was like, babe, I think you need to take me to the hospital, my uncles were both the size of softballs, oh, and I was goodness. like, I'm not staying, I said, I'm not staying, but they need to get some of this fluid off of me, and I can't get it off by myself, I don't know what to do, wow. like my, the medicine's not working, and so my mom took my kids, and we went, and um, Jeez. I thought I was just going to be there for the night, I thought they would diurese me and send me home. And when they checked my oxygen, it was in the 60s. And they looked at each other and went and got another machine, brought in more nurses, and they were like, You're not leaving. And I was like, No, we're not doing this, you know? Um, they ordered more tests. Um, they thought I was having um, myocarditis. I can't remember all the thing. They thought my heart was getting a layer around it that was stiffening up. And they were going to, they started me on minutes that was going to strip the outer layer of my heart. It was kind of oh. a – anyway, they did all these tests, but my heart was functioning okay when they were saying it was just compressed it was unable to release all the do whatever it was supposed to do um but they wouldn't let me leave they said you're not stable you can't leave and and in the the meantime it's my little boy's birthday and so um you know in that there was prayer there was a lot of prayer because i was like just get me home for his birthday like he is already he's distraught like he's devastated he's having terrible um, separation anxiety at this point um and um somehow my husband and my mom worked it out with the nurses for them to wheel me outside on his birthday. And they got to bring him to me and I got to see him and hug him. And, um, it was a very special, it was a gift from the Lord because it got me through that week because yeah. at that point I felt like I was, I was at the lowest emotionally. Um, as far as I was just, I was just sad. Yeah. I just thought, my again, back to the kids, you know, I thought this is like ruining them. That's oh, really man. what I was worried about this they're gonna remember this the rest of their life. I don't want them to be I don't want them to be sad on his birthday yeah. anyway. I know that sounds trivial now, but it just at that point it you was just a, it was all. a big deal, yeah. and I just was um anyway, I had to go on oxygen, long story mm. short, we'll just cut that one short. I go home on oxygen, and yeah. so at this point, I still have to wear oxygen um if I'm active or if I'm sleeping, and so um. I would say that's been the biggest, um, our prayer is just that I get to come off oxygen, you know, that things will still, I know that God could snap his fingers and everything could be healed yeah. if that was his plan. Obviously, I don't I don't believe that's his plan. I don't, all the tests are showing that nothing is improving, like I told you. And so, um, but my little, my kids still pray that every time they pray, they say, help mom, get off oxygen. And so, I'm going to keep praying it too, because I would love for that to happen. But back to what we were talking about, the difficult prayers. I did not, I let them pray it. I did not pray it because I felt like I needed to come to the place where. Even if he doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I know you can, but even if you don't, like I trust you and it's, And I I do, but I didn't want to say that. I didn't, I didn't want to, I felt like that's giving up. I feel like that's letting go of the hope of things, you know, coming back to normal or me being that active mom playing in the yard with my kids that I had really wanted to be. And um, I finally fought against praying that until I finally gave in and prayed it. And again, it was like, it was like the biggest relief to me to know that there is joy even in this whether it be a season or whether it be the rest of this my life here that these challenges are present because i'm walking with the lord and i trust that he's in control and i know his hands are on this and i don't know how but i just pray he uses it for his honor and his glory and if that's the only reason that it happens that it's worth it that that's that's part of the story you know and um so I will say that I'm I don't struggle with that anymore. I mean, if he decides to take me tomorrow, I'm okay with that. Yeah. That's I, we don't think that's gonna happen. I feel like I'm gonna be around for a while. I'm just saying I've completely surrendered this to God and, yeah. and I and I have no problem with whatever he sees fit to happen next. It it's gonna be okay because wow. what? We hope for what? That the things yeah. that aren't seen, the eternal, not what's temporal. And yeah. um, the Bible talks about our life afflictions being temporal and that's True. what this is, you know? So wow.
0: um Wow, Kelly, man, you you bring up a really good d- discussion point. Just this idea of, uh, a kind of the fine line between surrender and giving up, you know, like that they're, they're very drastically different things and yet they can seem sometimes like the same thing. You know, your fear was like, if I pray this, if I'm like, get my, let my heart get to this place. Is this giving up this idea of surrender? And, and it, you know, it is very, they're very distinct you know one is surrender is still like this hope for what is to come you're able to surrender and hold on to hope at the same time in fact surrender mm-hmm. surrender usually brings about even more hope yes. um because it's hope in the right things you know as you mentioned right there this light and momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs the former that's what scripture tells us and and that even though where you are right now, I'm sure you probably wouldn't describe this as light and momentary affliction <laughs> by any means, but there is something about what God is doing in it and through it. That is, it says that it is producing for us or achieving for us. Right. Which means we're kind of a passive agent in that, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's doing something for us on our behalf that is going to hold in the next, um, in the next world and the next life that somehow totally outweighs the suffering that we're experiencing right now. I don't know if I fully understand all that.
2: Well, I think you kind of, the way you even worded that, I think it just reinforced what a big part of it is for me. It's just perspective. It's just, you know, did, did all this happen? Yeah, it happened, but I did come home and then do I have to wear oxygen? I do, but guess what? I go to my kids ball games and I do get out in the yard with them. I have to wear my oxygen, but I do it. And then I think, They have learned so much from the, like, they were the main ones I was worried about ruining. And I feel like they have seen such a part of God that maybe a lot of people don't get to see because it's been so close to home for them. Like, even even the other night, my daughter prayed that I come off oxygen. I said, baby, I said, you know, we can still pray for that. And we will still pray for that. But you know, that might not be God's plan. And that's okay if it's not, because it's reason. Wow. And she said, yeah, mommy. She said, you know what? Maybe somebody else has oxygen that you might need to talk to sometime. And I was like, that's right, baby. Wow. That, that might be the only reason. And if that's right, that's okay. Like if that's, wow. we don't see what he sees. We don't know what his plans are. Wow. Our, our vision is so small compared to his overall view. And um, the perspective of it is, is life-giving. Yeah. It really is. It's just yeah. um, my my yeah. cousin." Um, my cousin was just he was just about a year older than me and a couple years ago he was diagnosed with brain cancer and um, we were we were buddies and so we would check in on each other every week and find out how each other's doing and um, the Lord saw fit to take him home this past year and um, but I remember him talking and one of the times I asked him I said how are you doing today I'm sure you have good days and bad days how are you feeling today and he said, um, "Well, I don't like to say there's bad days." He said, "You know, I have good days, and then there's not so good days." He said, "But today's a good day." And I thought I, that stuck with me ever since then. And even even when Amy and I talked about me coming on here, I thought, "Amy, you have had people on here with stories far greater than mine, far uh-huh. more traumatic. Far, I mean, I'm fine. I'm here. I'm I'm living life. I'm happy. i um, I have joy. I, I'm not. I don't feel like." that I'm sitting around suffering and mm. are there times when I'm disappointed? Yes. I mean, the other day I, all I did was walk to the car and I forgot term oxygen on and it dropped like mm. into the low eighties. And I I wanted to just, I wanted to have one of those moments where I just punched the steering wheel. I was like, why? Like, I just want to be able to do normal things. And I thought, why not? If, if, if it's going to happen to somebody, why, why wouldn't it happen to me? I mean, like I'm, I'm thankful if the Lord is allowing this to happen to me, for me to be able to do something to bring honor and glory to him. I'm, I'm okay with that. That's not, um, I don't feel like that's a load too heavy to carry or I don't know. I just, I just, like I said, I just feel like perspective is, is a key part of it, you know?
0: Wow. Well, I mean, even just hearing you say these things, Kelly, like this is bringing so much encouragement to my heart. I mean, you're filling me with hope and I'm not walking through the same situation Mm -hmm. as you're walking through. We have drastically different stories. We have drastically different, tragedies or trauma that we're dealing with. And yet I'm deriving so much faith and hope through you articulating this. And I know so many people who are listening to this, they are as well. So first of all, I want to dispel any thought that you might have that someone else has a greater story than you, or that why would I, you know, the reason that you're telling the story right now is, is exactly it, it, it's exactly uh, that it's that, you know, it kind of like, kind of like a Moses, like, who am I? Why would I be someone to share this story? And yet what you're doing is you're seeing the perspective of God that we all need to have a window into. We all need that insight. We all need to see God from your perspective because that shows us something different about God that we haven't seen and we can learn and glean from that. And then there's people who are walking through similar things as you're walking through, right? they, they're they're battling through a chronic illness they're and they're wrestling through this like come on like why and they're taking some of some people they're listening to this and they're taking a drastically different approach to it where they've grown bitter toward god and everybody else and they're spiraling and they're and and i'm just praying that through them hearing this that it just it just snatches them up out of that mindset that they're able to see the God that you see. They're able to see the, this big, sovereign, uh, loving father that, that in, in what, for whatever reason he's chosen to allow this into your life, that, that he has good purposes and plans for, for you and he has good purposes and plans for them and that they can, they can catch that vision and they can see that perspective. And so, you know, that's why, that's why you're here sharing your story right now. And it's an amazing one. I mean, it's, it's profound. What God is the perspective that God has given you through all of this. It's, it's amazing. Um, there are layers of, uh, we talk about layers of grief oftentimes. And, you know, with what you, the news that you've received, the diagnosis you, you've received, the life that you're living, this even little instances where you're like slamming the car. We're like, come, <laughs> come on. Right. What, what that is, is that's a, that's like a new level of mourning, Right You're mourning and you're grieving this life that you once had or that you thought you would have, or the dreams that you had, or the you know and so those are often the subtle grief um uh the the subtle places of grief that people don't acknowledge, and so because of that, they fail to find that perspective that you've found. Can you talk a little bit about you know how how you've had to mourn through, how you've had to grieve through? you know, some of these activities, the things you enjoyed. I mean, even once being an athlete, I know that this wasn't something you dreamed up of as, you know, one day this is how I'm going to have to walk through life. So what's that grieving process been like for you?
2: Um, I think that it's, it's been, It's almost like you think, okay, I'm okay with everything. And and I and I am, you know, I get all that. And then like you said, something will happen. It's almost unexpected. And you'll think, Oh, I didn't think about that. Or you'll have the sadness of, Oh, I'll never get to do that again. You know, and yeah. um I I, th- I thought about silly things like my husband and I were gonna go on a cruise and we were gonna do and I think about little things like that that are so silly, that aren't a big deal. But that are when you're realizing, oh, that's not going to happen now or I'm probably not going to be able to work that out to do that excursion or, you know, like and and I think perspective is the only thing that really brings all those things back into play. I'm like, well, in view of eternity, who cares about that cruise or and that's and I know that almost seems like the easy answer. Um, I think. I, I don't I don't know that I have a, a, a really good answer for what you're what you're asking. I don't know. I feel like there will always be things like that that happen. Right. Okay. Here, here's, what, here's what I think yeah. I'll say. I think male and females do this. I don't know. You can tell me if, if I'm right on this. <laughs> okay. Even as a, as a healthy adult, even even before all this happened, you know, I could always look back and say, man, man, I wish I was back to when I weighed that much. Or man, mm-hmm. I wish I was back to when I was that active or when I was hanging out with those people or that was, that was just a great time in life. You know, you yeah. look back on things that you had that you valued and you realize that you miss them, you know? Right. I think people do that all throughout their life, whether they've had an experience like this or not, as far as a health issue or losing somebody to care. You know, everybody can do that. They can look back yeah. at life and say, man, I wish I could go back to that. And so I don't feel like this is much different than that. It's just on a different scale. It might be a little bit larger, but it's just you just look back and think, man, I wish I had that back or, you know, and for for all the things before this, it was always for a Worldly gain. It was Mm -hmm. always for something temporal. It was always for. Well, why? I mean, why do I want that back? Is it a vanity thing? Is it a, um, you know, is it a prideful thing? What? Why do you want those things back? And um, kind of flipping the switch on that, I had always heard that if you could ever look back at your life and think I was closer to the Lord then than I am now, you're not in a good place. And I've always thought about that. And I've always gone back. We were talking about campus outreach earlier. I was able to go um, my last year with them to South Africa and spend a summer. And it was the most amazing experience I've ever had. I tried to stay. I tried to tell them to just ship my stuff over. I'm not coming Mm -hmm. home. And apparently that's not how it worked. So they sent (laughs) me back. But um, I have never felt that close to the Lord. I was Mm -hmm. consistent in my quiet times. I was um, able to share the gospel with people on a regular basis like it was my job. Like that's what we did. You know what I mean? We didn't have all these other distractions. And I've always thought about that. You know, it's been 20 years ago, um, and I was just sharing with somebody the other day. For the first time in 20 years, I can tell you that I'm closer to the Lord than I've ever been. I cannot look back on my life and say I was closer to the Lord then than I am now. And having said that, I feel like I can honestly say I wouldn't change what's happened to me because that's what the Lord used to bring me back. Hmm to put my focus back on him and wow. i don't know that it would have happened otherwise and and i don't know that there's any other reason for it than that and if that is the only reason then it was worth it because my my desire is to to love God and love people and just to bring honor and glory to him and that's it and it's
0: yeah wow
2: nothing else matters you know and wow. so I don't know if that really answered what you of were saying, course. but I mean,
0: absolutely it does. I mean, what <clears throat> just kind of to summarize that what you're saying is that there are moments that cop, that prop that crop up regularly where you have to mourn that again. And you go, Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. And you have to go through that process. And yet God brings this eternal perspective into each one of those situations where you go, you know what, in light of eternity and view of eternity, it might seem like a big deal here on earth to like maybe not be able to go on an excursion or a cruise, but like in light of eternity, it's not that big of a deal.
2: Right.
0: Think about all the excursions we'll get to go on when we're in heaven right? with (laughs) perfect bodies, with glorified bodies. Right. Like, I mean, think like if that's, if, and that's what I, that's what I want everybody to, I I would say, I would highly suggest the book heaven by Randy Alcorn to everybody who's listening to this or watching this, because I read it shortly after my wife's passing, and it provided me a perspective of eternity that I didn't have before, because what I was trying to answer or trying to, you know, the questions I asked was like, well, what's, my, what's her life like now? I wanted to be sure that it was filled with some kind of purpose or meaning, right? And that we weren't just like up in heaven, like these angels, you know, that were just, you know, like... The the little cherub singing in a choir for all of eternity. That didn't sound very fun to me. That might be fun for about an hour or two, but like, (laughs) it didn't sound like fun for all of eternity. That's what we're doing. And then what Randy Alcorn talks about is he says, you know, what we experience here on earth in a fallen and broken world is still part of God's creation, but it's just a foretaste, like just seeing dimly what we're going to get to experience fully. And finally, when we're in his presence for all of eternity you know we're going to be be with the creator so there's an infinite amount of things that right. we're going to be able to experience that we bring that bring us so much joy here on earth and so you know just like we would plan for a vacation or we would plan to go to some kind of destination we learn about it we figure out what do we want to do we should do the same thing when it comes to heaven but we often don't because we're so tied to earth right. and when you're walking through something like you're walking through it actually shifts that perspective and begins to tether your heart to eternity it tethers your heart to 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 what's life going to be like then right and this is just Definitely. this might seem like a long time but this right here is just a life is a vapor it's just a short time that we're here and then we're gone and so what 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 I'm so amazed at Kelly is that you're 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 choosing to say, hey however long I have here I'm going to ring this out for the Lord for the gospel for the kingdom and and my life is going to be about that and I want to try to help other people with that perspective. And, you know, in that, and here's what's so beautiful about this. I and mean, I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot more than I normally do, but I I like think I there's like something it. so powerful about what you're walking through right now. In that your sanctification journey through all of this, your journey to become more like the image of Jesus, right? Is mm-hmm. actually very much a part of your kids' sanctification journey. That like I hope so. they're becoming more like Jesus because they're watching you. You're not sheltering them or shielding them from the reality of what's going on here, even though at first you're like, man, I'm messing them up. I don't want them to, right? They're gonna be traumatized by it. No, 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 you're not. They're actually becoming more like Jesus by watching you walk through this and walking with you in it. And it's like, man, can't we trust the Lord that He's got our kids? That He that so the really the best thing for us to do in all of this is to be is no matter what our journeys are, is to become more like the person of Jesus. Yes. And then that's the best way we can parent our kids and bring them along in the journey, yes. right? <laughs> yes.
2: That's what I think with this. It's almost, I've thought about that this week, even. I think, you know, I was discipled, you know, people use the, the terms, I don't know, that's what CO, that was the yeah. terms we used, mm-hmm. but I'm, discipleship, you know, churches yep. to have those programs. But I feel like I'm discipling my children right now. And mm-hmm. I feel like, why would I not have thought to do that earlier? It's like something you think you do later. And I feel like I'm trying to bring them up in that. I want yeah. to bring them up in, in the instruction and in the admonition of the Lord. If the Bible right. talks about I just want them to know who God is. Like, I, I, We're going through the Bible together right now, and it was yeah. funny how you brought up about your wife with the, the um, Samuel story. Yeah. Um, but we just read that this week, and we talked about mm-hmm. that. And that was such a highlight in one of our discussions about how they're his they're not mine you know and um just even coming back around to that us having those discussions now that i don't remember anybody having with me when i was that young and it's Mm -hmm. almost like you think they're too young to talk about this well they're not they're not and if they're coming up learning this about god it's going to be instilled within them who he is and not something they have to figure out when they're 39 or 40 years old you know what i mean that's so good
0: Hey friends, I wanted to take a quick minute to make you aware of a really cool opportunity going on here in a couple of weeks, especially for you Midwest residents. So if you live around the Chicagoland area, on Tuesday, August 9th, the Christian recording artist Blanca and Forest City Worship will be hosting a benefit concert. Now this is not just any old concert. This is a party. In fact, it's called Praise Party in the Park. It's taking place in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, so in the Chicagoland area. Tickets start at just $25. Now, the coolest part of this praise party is that every single dollar that comes in from ticket sales goes to support a partner ministry of ours. That ministry is called the Baton Pass. Now, you may remember Kelly Olson back in episode 190 of the Nothing is Wasted podcast talking about her story and sharing about this ministry that she heads up. In this ministry, they believe there is power in your story. Sounds a whole lot like nothing is wasted. So it's definitely a ministry that we want you to tune into. The Baton Pass hosts first-class events within the community in which women can hear stories from other women who have overcome what they are currently facing. Now, I just recently had an incredible conversation with Blanca, the Christian performing artist that was nominated for Female Artist of the Year by the K-Love Fan Awards likely have heard her song with Dante Beau called The Healing. She just released an incredible song that's sure to get your summer vibes going called New Day. Definitely want you to check her out on Spotify or Amazon Music. And We'll be airing my conversation with Blanca the last week of August. But in the meantime, if you want to enjoy a beautiful summer night in the Chicagoland area while supporting a ministry that we believe in, get your tickets today for the Praise Party in the Park. VIP tickets are going quickly, so visit gopromoters.com. Again, that's G O Promoters, gopromoters.com to get your tickets now. The link to gopromoters.com will be in the show notes here as well. All right, back to the interview. bring up discipleship programs in churches. And often a church's response to discipleship is like, let's put people in small groups and help them learn about God. Right. And that's fine. That's great. It has its place. But if you really want to get to the nitty gritty of discipleship, you look at how Jesus, like the rabbi, right. How he called his disciples and they, they walked with each other for three years. They did life together everywhere he went, no matter what, God was doing something in Jesus too. Right, Mm -hmm. He learned obedience through suffering is what scripture tells us, which is wild that Jesus had to learn obedience. So as Jesus is learning obedience through suffering, he's bringing these disciples along in the process and they're gleaning from that and they're watching him, you know, and even though they're falling asleep in the middle of the garden of Gethsemane, they're, they're experiencing this moment where Jesus is like, Hey, I don't want to pray this prayer of surrender. I don't want to surrender this. Right. Mm -hmm. But not my will, but your will be done. And so, as Jesus is being discipled in some ways, he's discipling others just through the journey of it, not just through the instruction, but through the journey of it. And that's exactly what I'm seeing in your story, Kelly. Thank you. So here, all right, um, there are a lot of people who are that you know they 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 are experiencing the same thing, and they're they're battling a lot of emotions and a lot of just kind of, um, just dilemmas within the whole thing. Many people, especially in American culture, we like to think we're self-sufficient and we don't need help with anything. You know, I I know you're in a, in a space where you, you have to call on help. Sometimes You you have limitations. <clears throat> um, You know, how, how do you navigate that? How do you, how would you help someone else? Who's like, man, I just, it's so hard for me to ask for help. And you know, yeah. How would you say like you have seen the value of doing things as we, not just as me in this whole process?
2: I would say it would be exponentially harder were I not well connected with, with people who. care about people. And I I don't know how else to word that other than saying looking back, you know, you can see steps along the way that lined up beautifully in the story. And one of the things was um we joined a church right before my surgery. Um it it, it was a whirlwind of events, but my best friend since I was five, um, her husband is pastor and decided Mm -hmm. to start a church. And um he was, you know, Best friends of my brother, grew up. our families knew each other. It was it was family. It, it felt wow. like family that was right. doing this. And um, my husband did not grow up them, obviously, um, but he met them and was excited about it as well. And just a Bible preaching Bible believing church. Um, you know, people who love Jesus, who desire to to, to point other people to Christ. And um, we joined it right before my surgery. And the way that they surrounded me, mm. um, some of these people were people from the childhood church I grew up at, and some were new that we had just met. Um, but all of them, I have the, it is so humbling. And I don't know if people, you know, whoever we're talking to right now, you know, people struggle with those things for different reasons. Um, I don't want to say it's a pride issue. Part of it's just the way I was raised. You just, were, I'm self-sufficient. You know, right. I'm very independent. Right. I bought my first house right out of college. You know, I didn't yeah. need my parents hands on as much as, you know, some people do. I, it, it just was a different way to grow up and not feel needy. And, and right. it almost was a negative connotation for me. So it was very humbling, a to need people and b, for people to come out of the woodworks to help yeah. and to love on me and my family. Um, the way they prayed for us and the way they showed up was, mm. um, it was overwhelming. And um, if 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 the people watching this, if you love the Lord, if you're if you're not plugged into a, a local church or if you are plugged in and you don't have that connection there's so much value in a body of believers. Um, that's what, that's what Christians are called to do, to to love on each other, to be there for each other. Um, and I I will say that that was probably the biggest, um, source of help for me during our time and and my family. I'm I'm blessed with a, with a large, wonderful, very loving, very caring family. And so, um, it wasn't even that I had to ask for help. Um, I was overwhelmed with it without even asking. And, um, I don't, I didn't deserve that. And, and I know that not everybody has that. And so I, I understand that that was a something that I, that I appreciate more than anybody will ever know. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I don't, I mean, if, if, if you don't have those things, if you're not, if you don't have a family that's drowning, you, there, there are people that want to help and right. you just gotta let them,
0: you know? Yeah. Wow. That's so good. Not always easy, but well, yeah, but <clears throat> you know, Um, the origins of our faith. I mean, you look back at like an, an Eastern context which Jesus. Jesus grew up in an Eastern context. The early church was started in an Eastern context, not a Western context. The Eastern context is a lot more communal. It's a lot more community oriented. Like we, they understood they couldn't do it by themselves. They couldn't do life as a journey by themselves. They did it together. And I think it's something that we, we'll, we'll all find ourselves in situations, especially here in a Western context where we're going to be presented with that, where it's like, you cannot do life alone. You you will come to the end of yourself. And that's where the body of Christ believers, that's where, that's where you need that, that group of people, that community, that team around you to help and likewise need to be that for other people, you know? Yes. Um, so that's so good, Kelly. I, you know, as we kind of close our conversation on, <clears throat> there's no what's here's what's interesting about your, your story is there's no resolve to it right other than like what God's doing in you, and I think right. that's the most beautiful resolution that that is coming out of this. But the, the journey is continuing. You still have you still face this every single day. There's no like pretty bow on the top of this whole thing, um, and so I think that's important to note because there's so many of us who, you know, we that's we're in the middle of that journey and we don't know if and when there's going to be kind of in any kind of uh final bow put on the the end of it and so we are with Jesus and that and that's part of the reality of what many of us are are facing as as we're listening to this and so i just wonder you know kind of some final thoughts kelly if you're sitting and having coffee with somebody who's struggling through some kind of a chronic illness or disease and you know you're they're they're asking you for advice like kelly you've been walking this road for a while and i just don't i just got this diagnosis i don't know how to journey this what kind of encouragement would you give them
2: I think scripture is probably the best way of communicating how I truly believe the Lord works through these situations. You know, the Bible tells us that what tribulations work, patience and patience experience and experience hope. And what is your hope in? Well, We're hoping for that. What we talked about earlier what's to come. We're not hoping in the things here. And it's truly believing and digging in on that. The tribulations are that's where the growth happens. That's where. It's awful. It's awful when it happens. It's not fun. It's, it's painful. And, but that's where you have a choice. Like we were talking about earlier, you have a choice to either go towards the bitterness and the despair and the, yeah. or you dig in and you, and you, you find out if your faith really truly is in the Lord and you're in, in, in the, fact that he says that all things work together for good. Right. Um, it was last night, a, a, a quote popped up and I even wrote it down because right. I thought how convenient that popped up tonight. It was a C.S. Lewis quote and it was, we're not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We are wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. Wow. And I thought that was pretty insightful and, and timely. Um, I don't know how painful it's going to be. And and, it, and a lot of it is painful. There's a lot of pain, yeah. and that's from us living in a fallen and a broken world. And that that's not something we can escape. And if you've never been through something rough, you buckle up cause you might, you know, some people, very few people I believe walk through life unscathed by any major events that cause heartache and yeah. pain. And so yeah. um, just trusting that God is who he says he is and that all these things are working together for good. And
0: um, mm. that's it. Wow. Wow. Kelly. Kelly, this is, I mean, you are truly an inspiration, uh, to me, uh, uh even if it's you. not for anyone else, this conversation was for me. Um, now I know, <laughs> I know Thank this you. was for so many people and we're all just deriving a lot of hope and encouragement from you. And so I just appreciate so much that you'd be willing to spend time with us and share your story, uh, just your auth- authenticity, just the, the raw realness of, you know, how you're communicating. This is what I'm going through. And this is the hope that I'm holding on to. And um, so, thank you so much for that thank you so much um, we 're going to make sure that we uh put in the show notes you know um different places that people can connect with you, but you know i 'm assuming you 're on social networks and stuff is it where where can you just kind of follow your journey and and your life i
2: 'm um, on facebook and instagram
0: okay.
2: um, i post on both of those a little bit so anybody can get in contact with me there
0: sounds great well we 'll put that in the show notes and Kelly, thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing your story, and uh, you. just really, really encouraged by you. So thank, thank you for for being real with us. Thank you for having me. Wow, that was awesome, Kelly. Man, Whew. it's been a while since I've really teared up in a conversation, and um, <laughs> and man, that was um, that was powerful. Thank you for. Thank you for sharing with us. Holy I God. appreciate you having me on here. Yeah. Adam, I
2: really enjoyed talking to you this morning. Yeah.
0: Well, I've enjoyed it too. This is really, uh, it's going to be very impactful for a lot of people. I'm excited. To I try... hope so. I hope the Lord uses it. Oh, he will. He will. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. We have, uh, probably the most predominant area that people are asking about in terms of our community platform is, is, you know, a space for chronic illness. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's where, you know, we don't have right now like a host or even a coach for that. Um, it might be something you'd be interested in. Um, and maybe, you know, Amy's our community director, so she directs our entire community platform. That may be something you want to talk to her about. But that's that's an area where okay. people are going, hey, is there a a space? It's essentially just to kind of give you an overview of it. <clears throat> I didn't really mean to go into this, but there is a we have a online community platform where it's kind of like forums, but it's like discussions and right. and and we actually have groups or spaces i don't I, we hesitate to say groups because we don't want you to think of it like a small group kind of thing because <laughs> it's very permeable right people come in and out and all that stuff so it's not like a, oh you're in a group and now it's like you you're just meeting with that group but they're all from different unique pain points and so we kind of categorize different pain points based on where people are coming to from the on the platform and you know whether it's like widowhood or whether it's like loss of a child or whether it's like, you know, divorce or, you know, childhood trauma or chronic illness, well, chronic illness, we don't have anybody hosting that forum right now. Mm -hmm. And Typically, we like to have a host that would just be there on the platform to engage with people who might be coming to it and saying, hey, this is my story and maybe just helping to stir up those conversations and stuff. So um, that might be something, you know, I don't know, but that might be something that you'd be interested in in finding out more about. Uh, Amy run, yeah, Amy runs all of that stuff. But okay. regardless, even this conversation that we just had is going to be so helpful for folks who are coming to our platform with chronic illness and just trying to search for answers in that. So I, I appreciate Good. that. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you
2: so time. much,
0: Davey. Yeah, Kelly. Thank you so much. It's great to meet you. And uh, Amy will be in touch, I know, with like when this is released and, and all the different things that we've got. Um, we okay. We'll send you different things you can share on your social media and stuff too, but um, but I'm just, okay, I'm touched. I'm very moved. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Thank you. Well, I mean, you said it at the, the, the front part of this episode, Aubrey, that, you know, our unsung heroes and Kelly is definitely one of those. Yeah. And I love that you, you mentioned that we don't say that in a condescending way. What we mean by that is these are folks who again, don't have Not they haven't written a book. They're not. They don't have this like this platform. But it's people we meet along the journey, and I think sometimes the people you meet along your journey have the potential of having the most impact on your life. Like because you can see the providence of God in that. Yeah. Where where it's like I can go to Barnes and Noble. I can pick up a book from an author that I've heard of that I know is written on this topic, and that's great. And I know it's going to be really helpful, right? But when God brings somebody across your path strategically and providentially. It makes you go, wow, God, mm-hmm. wow. And so, you know, that that is the inspiration in many ways behind the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Right, right. Initially, God brought some people along my path and I was like, I, I am having some incredible conversations with these people. I want you to hear from them. Other
1: people need to hear. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And so, man, Kelly, thank you for sharing your story and, um, and sharing your insight what the Lord has been teaching you in this. Uh, Aubrey and I talk, have talked about over the past few episodes, we've been answering questions that you guys are posing on the community platform. If you're not a part of the community platform, com slash community. Go there, connect with other people who are walking through the same or similar valley that you're walking through. Um, and right there on the general discussion feed, pose a question to us. We would right. love to interact with you. Uh, right here on the podcast. And then we'll post this segment of the podcast to that particular question. Um, and that way everybody benefits from uh, the questions that you're asking. I'm, I, I assure you, if you have the question, more people have the same question. <laughs> That's so, such
1: a good point, Davey. That's so, so have true. Yeah. yeah.
0: Have courage and, and step up and ask the question on behalf mm-hmm. of other people. This person asked this, Aubrey, how did you deal with your disappointment with God for how he wrote the end of "quote unquote" your story with your spouse, mm. um, it has only been nine months since I lost my my beloved husband of forty years. Wow, Aww. man, I am so sorry. Oh,
1: uh, me too.
0: But the ending to our story "quote unquote" is not how I would have written it. I still have a hard time accepting that this is how God wanted it or planned mm. it. Yeah. Right. Right. Really, really good question. Thank you for Uh, that question. Uh, And I know many of you guys are asking the same question because your story hasn't turned out the way that you would have written it or the way you envisioned it. So, uh, Aubrey, your thoughts on this, this definitely correlates really well with Kelly's story. I'm sure, Mm. you know, even as I was talking to her, there's no way she was thinking this is how her life was going to be lived out. And yet now she, you know, is, is, is Mm. limited in what she's able to do because of what she's experienced.
1: Sometimes there are, I mean, here we are like professional communicators, right? But sometimes I feel like there are questions or moments when you just kind of have to go, yeah. Yeah. And like really not try to be like, well, here's why, here's what you do. Because no. I think yeah. I, I, I think this pain, and this is not exactly the same, Davey, but I would say recently I've sat with a y- lot of young women grieving because – um their life is... uh, There's this sort of statement like, I thought I would be here by now, Mm. and their life is not matching... God's plan is not matching up with their dreams or whatever. And that is a significant pain point for people. Whether it's losing a spouse of 40 years, like you losing a spouse unexpectedly who's young, like someone just assuming life would go one way and it goes the Opposite yeah. way, like there's real pain there that I don't think we always really give is. credence to. As Scripture talks about this, like a dream deferred makes the heart sick. Right. right. And so I think sometimes I, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to hear you speak to the disappointment, Davey, But I think mm. just to honor that there is disappointment, there sure. is pain. This is worth grieving.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And and part of the grieving process is grieving not just what happened, but the what ifs, what might have happened, what should have happened, right. what could have happened. And I don't know that we always give ourselves permission to do that, but I think that's really a healthy warranted part of our absolutely. processing our pain.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we we talk about this in the pain to purpose course. We take people through an exercise of layers of grief, mm. layers of, and we try to help them identify, okay, it wasn't just like, don't just state, hey, I lost my spouse or I lost my, what other um subsequent losses, yeah, have come because of that, and think in the ethereal right what what are the intangible losses mm-hmm. that have that have happened because of that and and it, yeah. the exercise gets people thinking about those things that often subconsciously even they're suppressing, yeah, and they 're going you know they don't think about the loss of a dream or the loss right. of a opportunity or the loss of a right, and so um it is necessary mm hmm to deal with those things. And I would say that virtually everybody, I mean, we're all, I think we all on some level are going to come across a moment where we go, I did not see this going this way. Yep. And now we are disappointed. We have a very real sense of disappointment with God. Yeah. And I think that's okay. Yeah. I really do. Unpa- I think unpack that's okay. that,
1: Davey, because you because you just said something that a lot of people would go, no, 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 you can't be disappointed with God. You have to be grateful to God. You have to praise God. Yeah how is it okay to be disappointed with god
0: well i think <clears throat> disappointment in and of itself the definition of disappointment is that your experience falls short of your expectation mm. okay and so i think to to admit in our humanity that we have certain expectations of things of situations of circumstances of our life and of god yeah that may or may not be true and reasonable expectations of God, mm. but we have those. Yeah. And then our experience falls short of that. Right. And and what fills the gap between those two things is always disappointment. It might be a massive gap. It might be a small gap. Whatever it is, that's disappointment. And so I think it's important... To To acknowledge, I am disappointed in you, God, mm-hmm. because I think that is the first step to unraveling then what was it you were expecting of God? Yeah. What did you expect God to be for hmm. you? What did you yeah. expect God to do for you? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that often is where that, you know, where that disappointment flows out of. And I'm not diminishing disappointment whatsoever. I'm, I'm ex- just speaking from experience, right? Yeah. I I remember very viscerally coming to the realization that I expected because of how my love story with Amanda was written, I expected and maybe influenced by a lot of other outside influences anywhere along the spectrum of like, you know, books I had read about great godly marriages, <laughs> all the way to these rom right? coms, right? coms that's what I was just thinking.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That I was going to have 60 years mm. plus with Amanda. We were going to grow yeah. old together. We were going to sit on, on our front porch watching yes. thunderstorms roll in, yeah. you know, Indiana afternoon summer thunderstorms, and we would just walk, right? That, yeah. That's what I expected. Yeah. That's what I dreamed. That's what I hoped. That's what yeah. we had talked about. Yeah. But God never promised that to me. Oh. And I remember viscerally coming to that realization, wait a minute, I'm holding God to promises that he never made mm. to me. Wow. So this does not disrupt the character of God. What mm. this disrupts is what what I was envisioning or what I was expecting. Yeah. And so yeah. I think, now that doesn't solve or resolve anything by any right. means, right. but it is the first step to us beginning to realize What God does promise us, yeah, and the richness of those promises—they transcend the disappointment.
2: Mm, Right? It doesn't take it away.
0: It doesn't. Right? right? Doesn't like. Doesn't diminish it. It doesn't negate it. It doesn't erase it. Right? The disappointment still exists, but the the richness of the promises when we realize the actual richness of the promises, like I will never leave you nor forsake you. He didn't promise that Amanda would never leave me. Yeah, promise he would would never never. leave me forsake me. Once I realize those things, then, then God's character becomes like, becomes magnified. What I mean, what I mean by that is like, it becomes what it was meant to be Mm. right in my life. Um, and I think that so many times, especially in American culture and American dream, and you know, we, we diminish the. The the beauty and the richness and the and the magnitude of who God is and what he wants to do in our life and how he wants yeah. to show up. And yeah. um yeah. And these spaces, if we if we take the invitation, these mm-hmm. spaces will allow us to see a real and right picture of who God is.
1: Yeah, that's so good, Davy. And I, I was just even with this question, how do you deal with your disappointment with God? I think part of part of what you're saying is like we are actually invited. To bring that disappointment to God, that's right. because like, I, I think God would, you know, I probably said this before, but God would so much rather us come to Him and say, "I am so like, I'm so disappointed that this is mm-hmm. how you wrote my story. Mm-hmm. This is not what I want." I mean, and that's very. We see that faithfully yes. time and time again throughout Scripture, throughout history. Yes. Like faithful followers of God have done that because God would rather us run to Him with that than walk away from Him. That's right. And that's, right. that's part of our intimacy with God is being able to say all of the things, including that. And then, like you said, Davy, the promise of His presence. And I also think the promise of Revelation twenty one, like one day, there's coming a day, mm. right? That's one right. day there'll be no more pain, no more suffer suffering, no more sad endings to our that's stories. Right. That's right. And we have to we have to cling to that hope as like stru- truly like an act of faith, a stake in the ground. Yep because otherwise you know there's no other there's no other way forward but That's it right. is okay to tell god i'm disappointed about this story but i think yeah. you're so right davy like what has god actually promised
0: the the beauty and mm. the pleasures it's and good. what we experience here on earth are just a foretaste of what we're going to experience in the presence of god for all of eternity mm. in heaven the new heaven the new earth right like when all when every tear is wiped away when everything is made right yeah. We're going to experience a richness of of communing with God and with each other in perfect, perfect shalom. Okay, so yeah. I believe I have a theory that as life continues to go on, we actually will experience more disappointments because <laughs> what it does is it readies our spirit. It readies our spirit. It reminds us. It's just like mm. Scripture says that all of creation is groaning, waiting yeah. for the day. Right. Yeah. It causes our spirit to groan, going when God, when will you make all of this right? And yeah. it readies our spirit for heaven. Oh, so and good. so anytime we experience anything, like whatever, even if it's a small disappointment or a massive, huge loss or tragedy and disappointment, the death of a dream, whatever, I, w- I want that to incite in all of us this one day, it's not going to be like this, this yeah. hope for this other world. That's one right. day it's not going to be like this. Right. One day it's going to be so pure and so beautiful. And so, and all of those dreams are going to be realized in Jesus.
1: Amen. So. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Holy spirit, man. Yeah. That was such a great, thank you for that question. Such Mm, a good question. And as always, Davey, we want to keep up these conversations with you. You guys are asking such incredible questions. It's such incredible conversations and resources are happening over at our community platform and at community plus you right. mm-hmm. can find all of that by going to nothingiswasted.com slash community. Mm, yeah. uh, we also want to thank Sleeping At Last for providing all of the music for us. And we love engaging with you on social media. So you can follow us on Instagram at nothing is wasted ministries. You can follow Davey at Davey Blackburn or me at Aub Sam.
0: Yep. Make sure you listen next week. We're going to have another great conversation and we're going to unpack more of your questions. And so um, if you've been enjoying this, um, we want to encourage you to join us next week, share this podcast with other people, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. It really helps uh, encourage us and it helps this get into more hands. Next week, our conversation is with Emmanuel and Adrian Threet, and you are going to absolutely be encouraged by this. So let's go ahead and take a listen to my conversation with them. there was times when i felt like for me i was by myself um and mm. but then there's times when i felt like we had a, i had people around that i could actually talk to um uh, but even in that it's it's
2: i know at least for me there was i was i was pissed at god i was so mad at him and yeah i, I could because and for
0: me it was like I prayed. I heard him tell me to start praying for my kids, uh, for my 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 my, my mm-hmm. children. And it's like,
2: this is before we even got pregnant. And I'm like, God, come on, man! Like, I'm praying specifically what you've asked me to pray. Carved out time specifically for this, and you, it feels like you're not a good dad right now.